When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Proper weatherman Peter Drury. The crucial difference between being found out and worked out. The first ever scoring of a golden opportunity. Footballing things you can ooze. The archetypal scenum given penalty shout. The dying art of teams rolling over and having their tummies tickled. Turning the screw. Gold bonanzas. We restore inner smile by Texas to its proper glory. And Richard Keyes versus British Airways, part 12. Brought to your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and on the adjudication panel today, first of all, Charlie Eccleshare, how's it going? Very well. Good. And David Walker too, how are things? Yeah, very good. Uh, it's the 275th episode of cliches in totality today. Uh, Dave, is that a landmark? Does that count? 275? It's a minor landmark. Yeah. If there are any international players who have 275 caps, that would be noted, I think. Yeah. I think once you get to that rarefied air, any landmarkish number is going to get recognised. But yeah, I think given our given our history, Charlie, I think it's fine. Mm. 275 should be recognised for what it is. And we're going to deliver on that 275, Charlie, by doing a eight and a half out of ten adjudication panel, just like we ought to. Brilliant. A, a, a fitting way to mark this Absolutely. huge occasion. Dave, let's begin with this then. Um, talking about the weather, quite boring, right? Very little is achieved in weather small talk, would you agree? Yeah, I would, yeah. Famously. Yes, famously. Um, but yeah, talking about the weather is quite boring, but not with Peter Drury. Sit back, soak it up and enjoy it all in the company of Gary Neville and Peter Drury. David, thank you. And so it is that we hurtle full tilt into the guts of English football's deep midwinter in the very classiest company. The wind is from the north, the mercury plummets, the weak sunshine is mere deceit and the top two lead the rest into the hard yards. Is there a single commentator, past or present, Charlie, that is capable or even willing to present sunshine as deceitful? <laughs> Deceit? Yeah, I'm curious what he means by that. The, 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 it's cold, even though the sun's out. Which which actually, you could translate to weather small talk, Dave. It's, like, it's sunny, but it, oh no, it is cold. Deceptive. You, yeah. Well, that isn't often a thing in weather discourse, isn't it? Deceptive. It's like the it's getting sunburnt through cloud. Deceptive out there. Like, do be careful, because I know, I know it looks cloudy, but you, know, you can really burn in that stuff. 
And I have this conversation with my son every morning because he'll say, it's sunny outside. I was like, I know it's sunny. Yeah. You still need your jacket. It is co- so... I should I should tell him. Listen to Peter Drury, son. They just don't get it. When he goes skiing for the first time, he is going to go <laughs> mental. He, uh, I think the Saturday twelve thirty is the most weathery kickoff, isn't it? I don't think I don't think Drury does an intro about the weather to any other time slot than that one. That's true. I mean, I mean. When you hit midwinter, Charlie, the low sun, that's remarkable upon. It, it, it is a thing. But I always like in uh, evening games in kind of May or August, when it's still kind of light at the start of an evening game, I do think there's something quite special Bomb. about that. Bomb. Yeah. And I think that might be commented on, is that, you know, the sun is setting and will it be on Leeds' hopes of staying up? <laughs> Peter Drury, take us away. Um Weirdly thing about Drury, Dave, is that you can imagine in a, in a very, very close parallel universe that he could be like a BBC weatherman that they throw to and they have a little chat first and then he launches into it. He's got a, he's got a weatherman-y name. He's got a weatherman-y kind of tone. He's got, he's, he's got quite amiable. And I reckon he'd know his meteorology. Like you can imagine him getting deep into the science of it as well. So I think he's really good weatherman material. He could yeah. be a great weather merchant. Maybe he could do it for like comic relief or something. I would pay. Yeah. I would text in 10 quid for that. Or cameo. Right. I mean, if he wants it, like, would happily no, He wouldn't lower himself. He wouldn't, no. But no. if he wanted to, I think that there would 100% be a market. If he only, he's like, I'll do cameo, but it's only for weather forecast. Right. Yeah, in that case, fine. Meanwhile, at the Etihad, this came from Matt Connell, over on the US coverage, Jim Beglin mixes his cliches and comes up with something arguably better than the sum of its parts for Trent Alexander-Arnold's equaliser. It's brilliant. He immediately comes to life and thinks, I can get this away. Beautiful first touch. And the second is just Peach Perfect away from Edison. He's not getting near it. I love Peach Perfect. Mm. I, I, I really like it. I really like it. I think it, I think it, I think it's ten times the term that Inch Perfect or, you know, like a peach is, Charlie. I, I love it in every way. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm all for that. And also, peaches can be fairly variable, so right. good good on him. But you, you'd want, I mean, you wouldn't eat a peach that, you know, you, it's not like any other fruit, Dave. I think you'd want a peach to be tip top. You wouldn't have yeah. an off peach. I can't eat an apple that's bruised, for example, Dave, knowing that the flesh underneath is in some form, you know, kind of withered. It, it, it eats away at me. <laughs> no, I... I- <laughs> I see where you're coming from. I, 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 I think I will sometimes. My hunger will sometimes override my discomfort at the, the the bruised nature of the fruit. But I like Peach Perfect. Peach Perfect is good. It also brings to mind Pitch Perfect as well. Which, yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, didn't even factor that in. Yeah, it works on thousands of levels. Well done, Jim Beglin. Now, this has annoyed me for a while, actually, Charlie. I, I do appreciate and in in many cases enjoy Sky Sports' embracing of advanced data or, you know, intermediate data when it comes to football. But Leo Watkins has alerted me to the fact that when asked for his player of the match, Gary Neville said Alexander-Arnold, upon which his stats were put on screen. He ranked equal first for goals in match in a 1-1 draw. <laughs> Simply, yeah. are we having this, says Leo Watkins. For me, it's absolutely ludicrous. And it is. Someone yeah. should step in here and say, no, let's not do that. But the interesting with that, yeah, I mean, it's in in this age of kind of, advanced metrics and stuff this is the yeah the most basic of all isn't it yeah. so it is quite goals in match yeah i mean that, that that is too much but i guess it's just they use it universally although when is it ever re- i mean 
you'd so rarely say of someone like he had a great game he scored more than anyone of course like it, it, it has to be made the most scored tackles made the most the clearances yeah. yeah no one scored more than Trent in the game no one's watching it go oh 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 that's interesting I didn't realise that the mechanism here Dave is that they, they like to emphasise that the the metrics in which a player is, is topping the charts for that particular game and every time a, a little selection of those stats comes up for a particular player I think okay they're cherry picking these there's going to be one of those that's really tenuous and often it's not they're all really relevant to their play relevant to the outcome of the game they're all you know achievable things that you think are significant uh, but I'm absolutely not having equal first for goals in match and uh, I think this is an aberration yeah they they, they did one on match of the day for Kieran Trippier in the in the Newcastle Chelsea match and as you say like it was all crosses tackles interceptions like all the sorts of things you'd, you'd think from a from a fullback that was that were bang on and is it is it to do with like do they need a certain number for the graphic oh maybe they have like three things we need what we need something else just to pad it out or or do they want to like the fact that he scored it's like well, we, we kind of need to reflect the fact that he has scored but how can we say it in this league tabley sort of context well I don't know equal first in match well, it's good to remind us that he scored at all but Charlie I guess the only more elementary they could go is like rank everyone equal first for appearances in game <laughs> <laughs> that would be great no one's played more minutes than him this game that's true right Final dispatch from the Etihad. Uh, this came from Singers, who was listening on Five Live before the game. And uh, Jeremy Doku was the relatively surprised selection over Grealish on the left-hand side for Man City. And pundits Rob Green and James McFadden had something to say about Doku's selection. For me, I wouldn't change anything. He's been absolutely brilliant. Do you think he's too good to change? Or do you think that he'll get found out eventually and then Pep will come in and say, OK, we're going to have to tinker a bit. Like he does, he finds a different answer at, eventually. What, what, what do you mean by, fa- before James, what do you mean by found out? Well, you, you, you'll find teams that will come up with an answer for him individually. Figure him out. He is Figure him out such rather a... than find him out. Yeah, yes. but... but... <laughs> A great kind of three-way situation here, Charlie. Rob Green going with found out, which I don't think works for an individual player. I think it works for teams like breaths of fresh air, second season syndrome and all that sort of stuff. Chappers getting straight in and questioning it. And then McFadden launching straight in with the solution. Figured out, which does work for players. They figured him out. I think they figured him out a bit. Uh, I think generally what you're saying is right. Found out is much more of a team thing, but I think found out is about their level. So you could still use it about a player. Figured out is like in this in- instance, because he's tricky and you sort of work out. Like, I don't think they're suggesting Doku isn't at this level, but I think there are instances when a player might get found out. So a player who is quite one dimensional, for instance. I think you could say he's been great. He's kind of, he's come in and no one really knows how to deal with him. I think he will get found out because technically he's just not quite at the level. Discovered as a fraud in the, in the mildest yeah, yeah, terms. That's is that the what point. Yeah. yeah. Found out is actually quite a pejorative term, which I think is what Chappers is picking up on in that clip. He's sort of leaping to the defence of, of Jeremy Doku there. Like found out is like, mm, yeah, he's been found out. Yeah, he's, it's just, he's, not, he's not up to it. He, yeah. You know, he's going to get found out at the end of the day eventually. But fig- figured out is like, Sheffield United, the the year, the second season when they were up after Chris Wilder, everyone's uh, kind of figured out the system now. They're still they're doing something really interesting there, but we've all figured it out. Brighton haven't been found out completely yet, although teams are sort of finding solutions to get it. But Charlie, you kind of mentioned this in passing. I think the ultimate way of describing it for an individual player is they've worked him out. Mm. So if it, it's like, I, I don't know, a striker yeah. comes up in the championship has a, has a sort of breakthrough season in the Premier League because they, you know, someone hasn't seen a player like him before. And then second season, you know, I think they've worked him out a bit. You know, stand yeah. off him. 
you know, give him yeah. that yard and then... So, yeah, working him out. Don't let him cut in or whatever it is. Don't let him do his one trick. But, yeah, just just a lovely little kind of engagement with the language of football between the three of them there. I really enjoyed that. Now, an astonishing number of people sent this in from Newcastle versus Chelsea. I didn't think it seemed like a big deal until I finally went and listened to it. Here's Simon Brotherton on Match of the Day. Lewis Smiley playing it forward. He's clearly onside. Played onside by Cucurella. Oh, what a golden opportunity that was for Isak. What a golden opportunity that was. If only he'd scored, Charlie. Mm. If only he'd put it away. Uh, will he rue that one later on, I imagine? I know. I love this because I, I had the exact same thought watching it. It was so weird because he scored. He scored the golden opportunity. And everything in his tone as well. We're watching the clip here, so we can obviously see that he scored. We know that he scored. But if you're listening to that, if we just played that in blind, you hadn't seen the game. Yeah. And you were just hearing it in your ears, you'd, you'd think he'd skied it over the bar 100%. from like a presentable chance. Yeah. There is nothing about that clip that suggests that player has scored. But Charlie, I mean, let, let's engage with this ourselves. Why are phrases like golden opportunity and guilt edged chance related to chances that are missed? Why do we emphasise the fact how valuable that chance was if it wasn't scored rather than if it was stuck away? Yeah, well, I think that maybe that's you kind of answered. Maybe it is that it's the emphasising the, the value of it. Yeah, and, the, and then and therefore the wastefulness by extension. Right. We've done this to a certain extent before, but I, I really love the calm authority of Ronan Flanagan here because he's got in touch to calmly rearrange the entire Premier League live TV schedule for the weekend. Hi lads, hope you're all well. Just a message from me regarding the broadcasting schedule we saw just a week gone. A bit all over the place, so I've decided I'm going to change it up, and this is what I think it would, would have been. So Friday 8pm, Brentford against Arsenal live on Sky Sports. Seb Butchinson with Jamie Carragher. Saturday at half 12 then would have been Burnley against West Ham on TNT. Darren Fletcher and Lucy Ward. Saturday at half 5, back to Sky Sports for Newcastle against against Chelsea, Bill Leslie with Andy Hinchcliffe. Super Sunday first game, 2 o'clock, Everton against Man United with Rob Hawthorne and Alan Smith. And then at half four, it's Man City against Liverpool, Peter Drury, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. And then Monday 8 o'clock, Monday Night Football, it is Nottingham Forest against Brighton with Pien Mullenstein and Don Goodman. Cheers, lads. <laughs> delivery of Pete Moulinstein and Don Goodman at the end there was absolutely special. Um right, Charlie, let's get to the let's get to the crux of this. The spine of his selection is very good. Brentford Arsenal is very Friday night, and I realise there's an element of recency bias there. Newcastle Chelsea incredibly 5.30. Like it yes. oozes 5.30. Everton Man United also oozes premium Super Sunday 2pm and then obviously the Man City Liverpool is you know it's a, it's a slam dunk of a 4.30 on a Sunday otherwise it's give or take I mean also there's no room Charlie for Spurs Villa which I find odd maybe there is just no room for it maybe it's just a it's mm. just a you know a really deluxe level 3pm Saturday and that's it yeah or may, I mean you could slot it in at a 12.30 I don't think it's a particularly 12.30 game but I don't I also don't think Burnley West Ham is a particularly no, 12.30 like West Ham I think that's too low level I hate to pick up uh, otherwise I think this is superb and the delivery I mean get this man a job in the uh, in the, in the, the scheduling department at Sky Sports please continuity however there is one thing I want to pick him up on you're not going to have a Friday night football and a Monday night football in the well, same weekend yeah but we, people do we, this I've I mean, been guilty of this too yeah there's yeah. a lot and also I mean Obviously, there are reasons for, you know, there are lots of logistical reasons. And I've thought that there'll be people listening saying you can't have Friday and a Monday, but it's funner to do more games, isn't it? It's like having a, it's like having an hors d'oeuvre, a starter, a main and a dessert on a set menu for like a lunch course at a local restaurant. Can't have them all. 
can't have them all. Right, I got a DM from Bryn Davis. And we've never we've never really done Garth Crooks's kind of weekend roundup much on this podcast before. It felt like low-hanging fruit even for us, Dave. But this line is good for our purposes. He's talking about West Ham's win at Burnley. And uh, Garth Crooks wrote, Could it produce moments of magic that resulted in goals for the Hammers and he was their standout player on the day? Meanwhile... Burnley sit at the bottom of the table with the confidence oozing out of them with every defeat. Bryn Davis doesn't like the word ooze here, Dave, in relation to confidence, because it should be used in a positive way. Completely agree. Absolutely. I mean, you just used it a positive in, in the correct way a few times when talking about uh, Newcastle, Chelsea. I, I think you just need to go seeping here seeping out of them that's too slow isn't it that's too slow again though i do one of this is i mean clearly it's massively jarring but i think it might be we're just so used to ooze things oozing in a in a positive way but should we be though charlie because in other walks of life nothing should be oozing like nuclear waste you don't want that oozing you don't want bodily fluids you don't want them oozing in any in any situation that's what i mean so i think we're just so used we're like it sounds really weird to us but then yeah when you take a step back it's like yeah that is that would be a lot generally thing it's alarming when anything's oozing oh god my confidence is just oozing out of me oh (laughs) god (laughs) just can't stop it (laughs) right on a similar note poppy nobby got in touch and says uh, Stuart Pierce on Talk Sport said everything Bernardo Silva does is littered with class for me littered with has negative connotations usually followed by errors or mistakes Dave no no complaints here he's absolutely right yeah. you can't litter anything with something good right no I mean it's a classic Stuart Pierceism. this what was the one he did the other day oh <laughs> the other do you know what I expressed my hilarity at it and then I actually had to think maybe it is true he uh, in the middle of the commentary I think it was Wolf Spurs he decided that the past tense for break dancing was broke dance <laughs> and I reckon it might actually be because I think break danced is actually weirder I think yeah, break is, dance it, is more efficient it is a hard one I mean but I, you, I, yeah break and broke generally is like oh he broke really hard or he braked really hard both sound weird I mean he is the man who brought you management ship as well so he's got you know he's got He's got this in his locker. Right. Let's stick with the uh, theme of convincing and authentic commentary because I have been fascinated recently by a YouTube channel called Trevor Sports. Now, Dave, there's a lot of YouTube dedicated to the recreating of football on computer games. In some cases, just a straightforward just playing of computer games and us just watching and apparently being supposed to be entertained by it. This is the... An angle I'd never quite seen before. They are using a patch for ISS PES 97 to stylize the modern version of the game into a 90s version. Advertising hoardings, player likenesses, the shirts, it's all incredible. It looks amazing. And the team at Trevor Sports have styled it even further by adding the Sky Sports branding and the theme music and the studio sort of interiors, the whole thing is incredible. And it's, it must be such a labour of love. So, you know, before we launch straight into it, I mean, what a project, first of all. I mean, they think they're doing Formula One. They might get into cricket as well. And it's all being faithfully recreated. It blows my mind. One of those things you watch, you just think, gosh, how long must this take to do? Have they got too much time on their hands? Not for me to say. Not for me to say either. <laughs> but Charlie, having gone to all this effort, of faithfully recreating specifically the 1996-97 season. Not just the Premier League, it's the Football League and the Champions League as well. All with all the broadcasting furniture as well. It's utterly brilliant. But having gone to all this effort, you then think, well, if they're going to commentate over the top, this is going to be rubbish. The commentary will be rubbish. It'll be really amateur. They'll just sort of, they won't get it right. No, not true. The pace, the tempo, the references, everything is so 
so good. Here is a little showcase. Manchester United versus Arsenal at Old Trafford, 96-97. Now it's time to go to drive your commentator for this match. It's Trevor Tyler. Well, it is the crunch game in what has turned out to be a crunch period for Manchester United. Alec Ferguson has said that he wanted the theatre of dreams to be a fortress. Never comfortable enough to play it back to Pallister. He goes looking for gigs, but it's cut out. Here's Dixon. Vieira, what a room in the middle at the moment. Platts. White gives it straight back to Platt. That looks for the run of Vieira. Oh, what a wonderful goal that is! Oh, that is something else! Right through the heart of the Manchester United defence. And Ian Ryder Longmiles has scored against Manchester United and Peter Schmeichel. I love everything about it. The little, just the little turns of phrase, like, at long last. And just the way that they sort of just, you know, casually slip in the players' names mid-possession before anything really happens. Charlie, it's really, really good. Yeah, the commentary's brilliant. The, the visuals are amazing. The sponsor, the advertising audience are so good. They're so evocative. Yeah. Is it Alliance and Leicester was one of them? Yeah, that brilliant. is. Attention to that detail. Dave, this is, this is their kind of bread and butter stuff. They do sort of Super Sunday kind of highlights packages. And it's all done in about 15, 20 minutes or so. And then you get the studio reaction and then the, the sign-offs at the end. But they branch out. And as I said, they do Champions League. And they, they, the other day they did Fenerbahce versus Manchester United in the Champions League that season. And they muffled the commentary like it was coming over via satellite from Istanbul. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. That uh, that was Trevor Moore on commentary for the uh, Champions League night. Love it. It's not like Fenerbahce in the mid-90s against Man United. It was, sounded like Mexico 1970, though, was oh, it? Oh, I think it might have been. You think? Let's have a quick look. No, I think I think that's probably an affectation, which, you know, a nice flourish. But it's I, not... think, I think it would have been early enough for that to have been a broadcasting issue. Kocha to Kostadinov. Nice combination. Kocha trying the shot. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not quite as muffled as Barry Davis' early 90s out at Spartak Moscow. But the other, enough, enough though to have fun with it. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I would challenge them to do is get a co-commentator in there. Yeah, that's true. You know, just throw your voice a bit, do an impression or whatever, get him in there or find some, you know, have a two-man booth. That is a glaring omission, actually. Yeah, good point. Um, but yeah, uh, I urge you to check it out. It, it, it's not quite Brian's gun level of, you know, sheer inventiveness, Charlie, but it, but it is a worthwhile pursuit and I'm glad somebody's doing it. That's the summary of it for me. It's a sort of football nerd equivalent of having a massive train, little train set in your loft. That's exactly what it is. And, you know, I'd want to play with it for a bit, but I wouldn't want to own it or have anything to do with it long term. I think, yeah, completely agree. Um, over to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium now, Charlie. You were there, of course. And when Giovanni Lo Celso opened the scoring for Spurs... Uh, the Athletics Twitter account said, what a hit from Giovanni Lo Celso. His clean strike takes a slight nick off Diego Carlos to give Emi Martinez no chance and Tottenham Hotspur the lead. Uh, Robert James replied instantly, says, can a clean strike take a nick? Is it clean once it's left his boots, no matter what happens next? Not something I've really confronted before, but I think it's OK. The clean strike mm. relates not to the overall trajectory, just the contact. Yeah, because I think otherwise, if it... You could say like a clean finish, like it's clearly not a clean finish because I think that takes in the whole thing. But yeah, the strike itself, he catches it cleanly, no question. Yeah, it's not his fault, right? They got deflected, Dave, yeah? No, of course. It was a good hit. And it was one of those goals where you, before you saw the replay, you, 
I was watching it in in the pub after football, and then people were like, "Oh wow, what a hit, what a strike!" And then you see the you see the replay. Ah, oh, it's taking a deflection, but I think it it wasn't a big enough deflection to really diminish it too much. Oh, I think I think Martinez would have saved it, but that's by no, the I, yeah, he would have done. No, he would have. But I mean, in terms of the how the sort of impressive nature of the strike. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. If it's emphatic enough, then the deflection is less of a spectacle. Right. Over to Serie A. Samuel was watching Milan versus Fiorentina on Saturday night as Christian Pulisic was brought down in full flow in midfield by a Liverpool flop, sparking a cultural reference that is at least 27 years old. Nice give and go that between Pulisic and Jovic. Couldn't stay on his feet. The yellow card is out. Yep, Arthur gets the yellow card. Arthur Fowler. Yeah, he was a Fowler. I like that. <laughs> and why not? Why wouldn't you do it? I like that. <laughs> Such a good reaction. You've got to respond somehow. That's, that's Nigel Spackman, isn't it? I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. He loves that sort of mid-level banter. That was actually, we've played clips like this before, but Spackman has decided to go straight in there with a yeah, yeah. Uh, he did. It was a foul. I like that. He's kind of <laughs> taking it on. Yeah. But it was prime for, for Spackman <laughs> to say nothing. Yeah. For, for about... 45 seconds. I was going to say it was a mid 40 second potential situation. <laughs> he's helped him out. He has, he's really helped him out there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Right then, this popped up in the WhatsApp, this quandary. Um, is, this is an age old phrase that I've never really confronted so much. Uh, Charlie, seen him given. Mm. Now we all, we all know what it means. We all know the kind of scenarios that, that it's applied to and, and the kind of 50-50 sort of decisions that referees have to face in those situations. But what is the primary type of foul scenario that comes into your head when you hear seen him given? Well, as well as fouls, handballs are, are often talked about in that way, or at least maybe they used to be. Now it'd probably be more like, I mean, who knows what the rule is anymore? Yeah. But yeah. You know, back pre-VAR, pre I think you'd hear seen him given. For a foul one, I mean, I think it's one where they're, there's sort of a combination of winning the ball but making contact. It can be, yeah, I think so. Okay. Th those are some of the examples that I've got in my head. I was going to go with, Dave, a kind of a shoulder barge of a player running in the in the penalty area, but shoulder barge into their back. So if it was if it had been shoulder to shoulder, there would be no issue. But if it because it's a bit of shoulder into the back, a shoulder into the shoulder blade, if you like. Enough, you know, enough to the rear to make it look like a push. And by all intents and purposes, a foul. I think that's very seen him given because it's one of those that could well not be given in a pressure match because the referee's like, well, I'm going to get stick for this when it is actually a foul. So that to me is 50-50 enough. Yeah, that, that was the exact scenario I had in my head, actually. Sort of running slightly away from goal in the penalty area, sort of maybe level with kind of the six-yard box. And it's, yeah, just the defender just leaning in forcefully and then the, the attacking player perhaps going down and sort of trying to emphasise, you know, arms out in front of them, sort of a uh, kind of perhaps a slightly theatrical dive, if you like. The appeal is really important here, Charlie, as well, in the scene given balance, the precarious mm. knife-edge situation of scene given because the appeal can't be too oh my God, that is a penalty. It's a little bit like they're, they're on the floor and they, they sit back, or they sit up and they look back at the referee with their arms out, stretched, saying, mm. any chance? Yeah. It's very much like that. It's not like, how is this running after the ref? It's a bit like, whoa, 
really? And, th- and then a look away at someone else, I think, uh, t- to express their dismay. Yeah. Yeah, who is the second person they look at? Is it someone in the crowd saying, what about you? I know, I think I think maybe a team, I think they're like trying to catch a teammate's a eye. Or, 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 you know, sometimes who it is, is the person who's committed the foul. Like you yeah. then go to them and they're kind of like, you, yeah, you know what no you've done here. No chance. Yeah. But. Rubbish second person to go to. I think another way to to recognize challenges and situations of this type is if you would sort of go to someone and go mm, like if so if your team is the one who's done the, is the defending team in this situation and you get away with it but you sort of go well if that was us i think i'd be appealing yeah yeah so applying layers of hypothetical situation on top to try and get to the truth as our football brains often do yeah i think we've got it i think what would be more interesting is when people say i've never seen them given and we talked (laughs) about this the other day you know the things that just don't ever happen and are too weird that you're kind of like you just that's sort of allowed and it's it's unimpeachable logic as well so you they just don't get given and the other person has to go well yeah you're right actually yeah like like yesterday the one where the defender comes in and basically like puts i don't even what he does but he kind of elbows brian hill right those are just never given no. for some reason. There's like there's too much going on. Hill's too small. It's too peripheral it's just, to what was going on. It didn't actually affect yeah. it. So yeah. it's just like it's sort of fine, which yeah. is mad. It's like he's just elbowed the guy yeah. like, in quite an obvious way. But it's like you just never see them given. Yeah. For some Weird reason. fouls don't get given. Weird well, ones. Yeah, it's, it's people, just too much. Yeah, people, blows people's like, minds. I think uh, the advent of VAR has just perhaps sort of kiboshed the seen them given discourse in a way. Yeah. We see so many things given and not given in. In, in in scenarios and and into a level of detail that we probably wouldn't have scrutinised before, that it's kind of almost it's kind of not worth saying in some ways. Right, that wraps up the first half of the adjudication panel. We'll be back very shortly. Welcome back to Football Clichés. We have so much more to get through on the adjudication panel. Let's begin with Paul Egan. He says, I was on a stag do last year in which we were discussing Arsenal. I was bemoaning the fact that we had to play Sean Dyche's Everton, who beat us convincingly following the new manager bounce. I said, if we had played Lampard's Everton, they would have rolled over and had their tummies tickled, which got a huge reaction from one of the non-footballing people in the circle who had never heard the expression. My question therefore, Charlie is what are the key components of a team that roll over and have their tummy tickled? The famous, the outstanding example of this is former Manchester United players going back to Old Trafford with their teams, most notably Steve Bruce, and rolling over and having their tummies tickled. It basically means bottling it as a favour to Manchester United. But although that bit is implied, I mean, they're obviously just rubbish, but the, the second bit is implied. You get it as well now with a team, like, because Man City are so good, often it can seem like teams aren't really trying and you're kind of like, just don't foul them a bit. Like, do something. Like, be physical with them. But teams can't get near enough to them really to foul them. So it's kind of like, you just gone over, you just gone over there and had your tummy tickled. Is it showing them too much respect? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Like, and, and, and that's why I guess Everton's such a good example because the contrast, like Daishi's, teams would never in, in in popular discourse anyway would never go and have their tummies tickled absolutely not I think that's something Dyche would actually say pre-game we, I mean, come here to get a, get a tummy tickled or anything like that we, we, we're going to have a right good go Dave I put it to you and I don't have the Premier League table in front of me but going by how competitive the Premier League is these days how forward thinking some of the managers are even in the lower reaches of the table I put it to you that there isn't a tummy tickling situation available in the Premier League fixture calendar this season. There are no managers who would who would who would let it happen, even in even in theory. 
even in perception. The only team that I think maybe would be someone like Fulham, maybe, who are sort of not hapless. They're not rub- They're not like completely terrible. Not in a relegation battle, but they're not. They're not anywhere near. They're, they're not going to get into Europe. Like when they lost to Chelsea a few weeks ago, they lost like two, three 0 to Chelsea, whatever, on a Monday night. And oh, you I roll actually- over and have your tummy tickled at home. Is that possible? I don't think it's. I think it's. It's not a home and away situation, is it? it Could be fine. No, way. I think. It, I think it can be fine depending on the performance and the scoreline. I, I and I'm not. I'm not saying that necessarily this did happen, but I'm just saying, mate, they're they're the sort of team that I think there's this kind of and maybe maybe I'm sort of leaning into the whole Fulham kind of the sort of posh Fulham kind of discourse as well which is perhaps a bit unfair but they they would be my candidates for, for this season perhaps but in previous years would would like a Spurs you know like sort of Roy Keane criticising Spurs fall into this or an Arsenal under Wenger away at Bolton would that would that be a tummy tickle situation or is that is that a different thing I think Spurs would still have a go that's the problem Spurs mm. wouldn't be wouldn't be passive they'd have a go but they'd still ultimately you know screw it up in the traditional sense I think this often happens like with title races or in relegation yeah. battles or whatever and you play a team one game and then your rivals play them the next week and you're like why were you so good against us and now you're just going and having your tummies tickled like you don't look like you care at all in this game it's really annoying when that happens just taunting you just while your tummy's getting tickled yeah just, it is uh, just like nah, we don't really care we're just having a bit of fun need them to do you a favour and they roll over and have their tummies tickled yeah I, it, I, it feels like a very late 90s early 2000s concept to me you don't hear it much anymore right right down into the football league we go now Barnsley in League One were away at Lincoln City Uh, 1-0 down 24 minutes gone Charlie and they tweeted the Reds are beginning to turn the screw a little enjoying plenty of the ball and occupying some good areas MK Doom says is it possible to turn the screw at 1-0 down the answer is (laughs) no Yeah, turning the screw. I mean, it is quite a specific. I remember saying this once in a like work five aside game and getting really laughed at. Right. Hang on, sorry. How did you? Yeah, go on. To talk us through the context there, please. So it, we were all playing on the same team, by the way. It wasn't like an intra game that I was taking too seriously. That is an important bit of context because right. we've spoken before about the level of seriousness with which you're allowed to take these games. It, it, it'd been an even game, and then we we'd really stepped up and we'd I think moved like three one ahead. And I was just like, boys, let's turn the screw here. Like, let's switch on. Let's hammer home this advantage. And <laughs> turn the screw and then hammer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. both. Uh, and I got ridiculed for it. And you know, perhaps rightly so. Uh, it's but, borderline. Like, I, it, it's. A but very I was just making the point. I, I was like, don't now switch off. Let's just. And also, because that so often happens in five side. You score a couple. They score a couple. Yeah. Let's not let that happen. Let's turn the screw. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, but you can't do it at one nil down. Is in summary, is, no. Okay. okay, even I wouldn't do that. Dave will plummet even further down the divisions. This came from James Weeks. There was a top of the table clash down in the Southern League Division One South. What a job they're doing down there, by the way. Willand Rovers away at Wimborne Town. They lost four two, and at full time they tweeted another bad day away from the office. <laughs> <laughs> now, James Weeks quite rightly pointing out that the office goes with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're freelance. Yes. That is your office. Wherever you work, that's yeah. your office, I'm afraid. Never alone with a phone. A bad day at the office would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> bad day at their office. <laughs> yeah. In, unless it's one of those things which I think is generally awful where you call the stadium something like the theatre. I mean, like, I know there's the Theatre of Dreams, but aren't, you know, like, or some people call the Emirates like the carpet. <laughs> what, Will and Rovers play at the office? That, that's, that's, that's what they call it, yeah. The, tough, this, uh, the office is a really hard place to go. That <laughs> doesn't sound it, I have to say. Pretty easy, actually. You just get signed in. You just got to sign in at the desk and you're, you're, you're okay. Fucking visitor's pass for no reason. Can someone come and let me in? No, 
you can't. You're one nil down. Right. Tom Spavins got in touch with a very passionate case for this. I denied it straight away, but this is how the conversation went. He got a push notification from Sky Sports entitled Watch Premier League Goal Bonanza. Watch highlights from an action-packed Premier League Saturday so far featuring 22 goals. Uh, He asked me, can a goal bonanza be over multiple games? I said, absolutely. He says, Adam, I think you're wrong. And I think Dave would agree with me with this on the adjudication panel. So pressure on you, Dave. But I I think it's usually over a number of games, a goal bonanza. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not. No, don't, don't bring me into this. I'll, I'll decide. Thank you very much. Whether I agree or not, I would agree with me. <laughs> I think you can imagine Gary Lineker at the start of match day going, and, and we've got a goal bonanza for you tonight. Good, good point. Because Tom Spavins continues, Charlie, on this futile effort to change my mind by saying, "Would a match a day with lots of goals be a goal bonanza? For example, I think Manchester United versus West Bromwich Albion back in 2013 would be more of a goal bonanza." And I said, "Both are eligible, but." Mm. What I would say is Gold Bonanza is better for multiple games across a, a, you know, a match day. But for an individual game, you're better off going with Gold Fest. So a fest for one game, Bonanza for multiple games. Yeah, I actually think Bonanza is, is more of a multiple. Um, it's not just acceptable as a multiple. I think of it more as a multiple than an individual game. It's Unanimous. a Gold Bonanza at the Hawthorns. don't know. I can see I mean, it. it's fine. I wouldn't it's fine, it but... I'm just saying appropriate usage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in case anyone starts to wilt even further, I'm going to say it's a unanimous decision. Up yours, Tom Spavins. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Listener Sam gets in touch next, says, what constitutes a graced, as in he graced the Premier League? I think we just know it when we hear it. It's usually classy overseas players and mostly attackers. Someone on TalkSport used it for Edison and Allison, and I initially thought goalkeepers can't grace, but maybe modern ones can. But let's let's deal with the second point first, Charlie. Can goalkeepers grace the Premier League? It's difficult. Yeah, it is, just because some of those characteristics you've described, you don't... But is it quite a benign term? Like, does it really mean anything? No, probably not. I mean, the, the interesting thing about it is in... In normal conversation, it's only ever really used sarcastically. And they're like, oh, nice of you to grace us with your presence. <laughs> God. <laughs> I mean, like, yes, yes, you're absolutely you, I don't, right. I don't think you'd ever earnestly say that. Like, I was really nice of Adam to grace us with his presence last night. Oh, like, maybe he, that's quite he, telling. He really gra- he's really graced this pub over the last few years. <laughs> well, maybe that's quite telling then, Dave, because clearly then, even when used sarcastically, it's an indicator of someone being somewhere that it's a privilege to see them. So maybe it does work for for some of these sort of foreign Premier League legends that perhaps didn't stay for a great deal of time. What about like George Weyer or someone? I mean... Weyer's a good shout. Or a Klinsman. Yeah, a, Klinsman a and Hullet were graces of the Premier yeah. League. Okay. Did Robert Prozanetsky grace the first division for Portsmouth? I think... I mean, unquestionably. Yeah, it's somebody with a big reputation, a, a sort of notable kind of classy figure who steps down or turns up somewhere that you wouldn't you wouldn't expect them to be so like van der Sar as a goalkeeper at Fulham that felt that felt grace you know he was a Champions League winner with Ajax he'd been at Juve and it was like oh that's nice he's nice into it I think the relative reputations override the goalkeeping exemption don't they and he was quite Mm. a graceful figure as well he was yeah so I think that might be he oozed grace yeah Um, you can't grace anything else other than a division, can you? You can't grace. You can't grace these shores. You can't grace a club. You can't grace. Can you grace a tournament? No. No, that'd be weird. You, uh, no. Could you even say like a tournament in totality? Like he has graced the work. This 
you know, he has graced the World Cup. No, no, it's just a division. You you might say like, you know, if it was an international player was retiring, it was the last thing in the world, it was like for 12 years, he has graced this fine competition. <laughs> but I think it would be very overblown very and quite overblown. weird. You've got to step down. You can't step up to something to grace it. I've got, I saw this um, earlier on by complete random on on uh, on Twitter. So this is from a shop that is soon to be opening in Westfield, Stratford, called Pop Mart. And uh, they tweeted, we're thrilled to announce that Jared Bowen will be gracing our Westfield, Stratford City permanent store grand opening in London. Pop Mart. I think it works for his sins. Can't he's hear very- it without it sarcastic. Like, yeah. oh, nice of you, Jared, to grace us with your presence here. <laughs> Again, it's very Van der Sar to Fulham, isn't it? it? You know, he's doing them a favour. Grace yeah. and favour. Love it. Okay, right. right. Let's return to Spurs versus Villa then, because Joe Tyler says, uh, when Vicario parried the shot onto his post that he should have held first time, my partner described it as a bad save. Can you have a bad save? Maybe a spilled shot that leads to a goal. I mean, he's got it... The scenario, Charlie, here is absolutely right. But I've got a really vivid idea in my head of this. Which co-commentator is saying it and how? Because it's, in its own right, in isolation, quite a good save. But it's what, what it didn't do that is quite crucial. It's like, yeah, it's a good save, but he, he's palmed it straight. Yeah. He's, he needs to be pushing that away. And he's palmed it straight into the path of Mo Salah. That's always when you'll hear it. Like you've, when it's, you've pushed it. Back into da- a dangerous area. You've got to be pushing that away. Yeah, you've got to be pushing that away. You'd still never hear it described as a bad save, though. Even yeah. though, even though it might be one actually, yeah. but That's it's kind of the only candidate. But it's sort of like because save does imply that you've still done something positive. Yeah. You have still stopped it from going in the goal. You wouldn't say bad save, but I think like you can imagine a Neville sort of oh, he looks nervy. If, if not just with that one, but if they'd like if it had gone out for a corner or something, when it's like, and that's going to really affect the defenders because they're, they're they're just not confident anymore. It'd sort of be like potting a ball in snooker, and you've potted the ball, but you've not looked after the cue ball. Yeah. Not thought about the next mm. bit. It's bad pot. Can't see it. We're cynical about it, but I can imagine Opta coming up with a new metric called bad save. <laughs> that we then have to, you have to yeah. put like a whole paragraph in brackets afterwards to explain what it is. A bad save is classified as a save that pushes the ball five yards horizontally into the six-yard box that someone then taps home. Yeah, could work. Right. Finally, Jake Schulheifer has got in touch and he says, Texas were performing in a smile on Strictly this weekend. And it had me wondering... If you, Charlie or Dave, had to perform a dance on primetime TV to any of Sky Sports live football <laughs> intro songs from down the years, which would it be? Charlie, you go first. <sighs> that is a really hard question. Um, baby, I'm ready to go. Uh, I thought I'm, I'm annoyed that you picked it, but also glad that, you know, glad that you recognised it. I thought you'd be I thought you'd be loving each day, actually. Ah, now I'm slightly regretting. I, I think loving each day I'd prefer to sing. I I, I I enjoy doing a um, sort of Ronan Keating. It's quite hard to imagine yourself dancing to any of these songs. I don't know, maybe uh, Maloko. Maloko's very strictly, actually. That could work. Could go for a bit of Elton. Are you ready for love? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take ready to go then. I don't know how it works on Strictly Sensing. There'll be a lot of jerky movements for that. But it did also make me think that it is one of those songs that has become so intertwined with life football coverage in a smile that it's weird to hear it just played live and certainly weird to hear it played live without it being interspersed with near unidentifiable goal shouts from various commentators so here here at texas performing in a smile on strictly and our job is to throw in commentary shouts to make it sound like <laughs> it is the intro sequence to, to league cup coverage from the mid 2000s i'll go first dave you'll go second charlie you'll go third and we'll keep on doing it until it becomes not fun 
so well and Charlie chucked in a specific detail. That is a golden rule you've broken there. How dare you throw in a team name? How dare you do that? Respect lost uh, for you, actually. But otherwise, super, uh, and all, <laughs> just wonderful work. If Dave edits that into any sort of listenable content, I'll be stunned. I'll get you some gold. I'll get you day. some cheering crowds. We'll be fine. Good work, everybody. Good work. Right. Um, no keys in Great Gorner this week. Um, he didn't get rattled enough by anything except... Charlie, a story in the Times about two British Airways pilots giving a presentation to Premier League referees about how to communicate more effectively in a VAR situation. He tweeted, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry when I saw this. What have they done to our game? As soon as I saw this, before even seeing, I was just like, I cannot believe, like VAR meeting British Airways. It's just keezy heaven. It's just, what a perfect union for him. Um, yeah, we've documented this before, Dave, but it's worth reiterating. This is a man who has tweeted his disgust at British Airways no fewer than 12 times, um, <laughs> uh, including eight times in the space of five hours one day, which works out at once every 41 minutes as he tried to fly home from Mallorca to get to a wedding. Just the idea of him sitting there stewing and going, I'm going to do another one. Just sat in the same chair next to the departure gate. <laughs> the last one of that spree, that bonanza of tweets, was him getting so annoyed at being sat in his seat on the tarmac that there were people drinking in the aisles of the plane. This is Mallorca, mate. Par for the course. We spoke last year about first names on the team sheet at Heathrow Airport or whatever. What do you think Keezy's go-to would be? Where, where do you think he's... I mean, he's probably a lounge man nowadays, but I wonder where he would... If, if he was having to be with the plebs, where he would set up shop. I think he is a slam dunk, can't resist buying something from Ted Baker, man. Doesn't need it, doesn't want it, buys it in a wash bag, socks, tie, the lot. Maybe a, maybe a polo shirt. Yeah. I need to have something new. Something fresh. Just one new thing. Yeah, for the night I, out. I don't think he's going to go to the Weatherspoons. Certainly not the Spoons. No, I think he he'll go to like you know you'll often have like the the next option up, which is like a, a, a slightly more high end pub slash grill. I disagree. I think he'd just be gracing them with his presence. I think you need to go up one further notch, and he'd be at the smoked salmon bar with a flute of champagne. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, um, still eagerly awaiting official Richard Key's TikTok channel. Uh, no sign of it yet, but we're keeping our eyes peeled for that. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Thanks to you, Dave Walker. Thank you. And we'll be back on Thursday. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network.